Uh, all right. Yep. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach Capwhite. I'm here with Tabletop Mastermind Group member K. And we are here to generally just gab and dive in. We have an awesome blend between me and her because I'm a search engine optimization strategist. And you are, what exactly is your title? Uh, so I am a freelance social media manager, and just very quickly, my pronouns are they, them. I'm sorry. Thank you for That's correcting okay. me. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have an awesome mix here. We already have a couple things that you brought up that's really interesting. The first thing, can you go back what we talked about off camera and talk about how you, the hashtags versus keywords thing, because you had an excellent spiel about that. Yeah. So um in the weeks leading up to the new year, I saw a lot of social media gurus um, and professionals projecting this anticipation that hashtags are going to be less favored moving forward this year um, in place of keywords. And my curiosity really peaked because my entire time being in social media as a professional was always talking about hashtags being such an integral part of any strategy because of how they function. And keywords are important too, but we've only ever really seen keywords apply to like more permanent structures like websites. Um, and since social media is always changing, hashtags aren't really bound to those same expectations. But with the flux of social media becoming like the new search engine for especially like Gen Z's coming in and taking everybody by storm, um, I'm just interested to see or kind of like feel out like what the terrain will look like once that comes to fruition or if you've seen anything that echoes those same sentiments in your corporate life. Yeah. So this is really interesting because we do, this is something that I've um, kind of led the charge on in my own organization of, so one, you're absolutely correct. Social media is its own search engine. Okay. Uh, this has been proven hardcore for hotels, restaurants, anything with travel. Mm -hmm. All right. Where like, if you're in a new town, I did this, I just went to Columbus with my family and we were trying to find things to do with kids. So I looked up hashtag Columbus, hashtag kids on TikTok because we were like, oh, do we want to go to the Coastal Museum or do we want to go here? And I could see it, Yeah, you know? Um, and so that hashtag does help, but also each algorithm is a little different, but they're all trying to feed people what they want to see. I mm -hmm. think it's really interesting and I, and I, I would not be at all surprised if the inclinations of you and what you're gathering from the industry is correct, that they're focusing on natural language and keywords. And I think that's probably in part because on the SEO side, whenever search engine optimization strategists find a vulnerability in Google. So like fun story, way back in the day when Google was early, mm. all that mattered was backlinks, was that websites were linking to you. So we, uh, I say we, my the ancestors, okay, did what's called black hat strategy, which is, this isn't okay, but it's working. And they made a <laughs> ton of porn profiles. Oh my God. Because they were free. And so there were thousands of backlinks. But if you were just trying to get your blog about cupcakes going, and you mm. had 2,000 backlinks from anywhere, it was assumed that that gave you a Right. And so eventually Google covered that up and then made it that called it toxic backlink because it doesn't mean anything. All right. It's false authority. 
And so this has been a game in the SEO world since the invention of Google. So over 20 years of SEOs find a way to take advantage of the algorithm and then they patch it up and it goes and goes and goes. What we might be seeing here is social media catching on to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And realizing that like everyone's trying to hack the system. And one of the ways that they can damper down on the hacks is by giving less juice to the hashtags, which can be used freely by anyone for anything like on TikTok, everyone tried using hashtag FYP for for you page or mm -hmm. a trending hashtag that had nothing to do with what they were talking about. That mm -hmm. makes sense for them and that it gives them a boost. It doesn't make sense in the long term because if hashtag Holly Jolly Cupcakes is trending mm -hmm. and I'm pushing a death metal song, all right, mm -hmm. that might push the views up on my video, but the interaction and the engagement is going to go down. And the yeah. person who was a Holly Jolly Cupcake fan suddenly got pushed something they don't like and their user experience goes down. That's not good for TikTok. Right. You know, it confuses the algorithm. So you take that and you put that all over the place with Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Um, Facebook less so because they've never been huge on hashtags, but it no. makes even more sense on Facebook because of that. To find keywords, especially those which occur in natural language mm -hmm. and give more juice to that makes complete and total sense. I can also say that Google recognizes those keywords, that it pulls content and that there is some juice and we never know how much it is. We know that there are a thousand levers on the SEO side, okay? Mm -hmm. And we have a fair idea of how much juice some things have, okay? Right. Mostly on the website, okay, is what matters, all right? Mm -hmm. Speed is a big thing. Whether or not it's structured well is a big thing, all right? Whether or not the content on the website makes sense, that is a big thing. But after that's all taken care of, if you're in a competitive industry, everyone else has a good website, and now you're you're in tie-breaking mode. And that's where the social media comes in. And that's where we have started putting in strategy forward to say, okay, well, we have all this content on the website, let's, and we have all of it around these keywords. Why are we using those keywords in the content off the website? Mm -hmm. you know? And so that whole spiel to say that just kind of like give context to where if social media goes the way of Google because it's being used as a search engine and it makes sense to do that. I think that you may be right on the money. My biggest suggestion is keep using hashtags because they're probably still going to work to a certain degree. Mm -hmm, that's know? my feeling as well. And so just use both. So like this is an awesome idea for me to say like, okay, instead of in a tweet saying, hey, hashtag D&D fam, say, hey, hashtag, not hashtag, just hey, D&D fam. Mm -hmm. And then I can use hashtag D&D fam at the bottom of the tweet. Right. Where the hashtags tend to go. And this way, you get both. You know, yeah. that just seems like the quick uh, strategy adjustment. Did you have any other thoughts on it or any other questions? Um, I'm just, so my 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 philosophical considerations, uh, sorry, there's two mm -hmm. crows outside on the power line outside of my apartment, and there's a legit falcon just like chilling. And I think there's going to be a showdown. I'm trying really hard not to be distracted. Okay, just a minor uh, turf war happening outside your just room. very minor, nothing to be concerned about. Um, so because social media, it, just by virtue of being itself, it, it's, it, it's constantly changing. New content is always being uploaded and it's growing exponentially. Mm -hmm. uh, Especially it, with it, AI it, coming out too. 
oh yuck well we could talk about that <laughs> totally other episode but um my my curiosity sort of grows considering that if we are in an age where people are using social media more uh search engine forward in its function um, I wonder where that would leave like traditional search engines. I I don't think that they would necessarily be pushed out right away just because they're like a legacy product at this point. Everybody knows mm -hmm. Google. Mostly everybody knows Bing. Um, but it's just, it's curious to see this, this total shift because social media gives you a lot that websites can't give you. And like sometimes even YouTube falls short in giving a lot of that content. And we're in this intersection where people want information extremely quickly without any muss and fuss and that's actually influencing a lot of my own content strategy now uh, is that people just want the information without a lot of fluff um so just like kind of a, a hypothetical not really a question to be answered it's just like what's going to happen to search engines now that social media is really showing like hey we've got better results than what google can possibly give yeah and that's interesting because my first thought my like lizard brain knee-jerk reaction was okay well facebook can only ever have what's on facebook mm -hmm. whereas google has everything you know mm -hmm. however most people don't even scroll to the bottom of page one nope never those are the industry <laughs> statistics so having more does mm -hmm. not matter right okay what matters is if you have best for example youtube is a better search engine if you're trying mm -hmm. to learn almost anything, Google's going to point you to, to YouTube. If YouTube doesn't work, then you go to Google and see if there's a blog that tells you. Mm -hmm. You know, and the blog hopefully has a video <laughs> somewhere. Hopefully. So hopefully has a video somewhere in it. So I think that you, you that it's a really good question. I think that it's, uh, if anything, it gives fuel to those who are like, you know, major brands or clients are really trying to be professional, that there's all this pressure. So my big thing is is the way I, I find balance process, because if you tell a client like, hey, stop running your blog, do a bunch of social media, mm -hmm. you know, they don't like to hear that. No. All right. Um, what is easier and what I've been a proponent of is if you have literally any content on your website, so you do, Okay is to find a way to rearrange it and make it into social media content. Now, I'm very lucky because I have a corporation where I could test things out to another person who knows how to make a bunch of images and infographics. And I could say, hey, we have this uh, frequently asked questions page. Make 10. You know, like, like mm -hmm. just turn this into uh, two infographics, 10 images, and a GIF of those 10 images. And then right. we're going to throw that out on the social media and we're going to jam pack that with keywords. And the other thing about that is it's not just about keywords. Google is getting better and better and better at images. It loves mm -hmm. to see new things. Um, uh, definitely use less stock photos if at all possible. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think that's also going to be true for social media as it catches up to the fact that they are becoming search engines. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess all that to say, because I'm a rambler and I'm trying to rein myself in a bit so that you have a chance to talk, <laughs> is to say, I think it's a perfectly valid question. Mm -hmm. All right. The only thing like in a risk analysis, you should still try to please Google because it will direct to all those social media. It's an inter, it's um, synergistic, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's know? a good one. 
you should definitely still try to please Google, but it should not be treated as the end all be all as right. it has been for the past 20 or so years. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that social media is really growing on, a, on like the small level. It's the only way people are going to find you to begin with right. is either by you talking to people as a person or as a person on a profile. All right, you're not going to be page one of Google for D&D dice, all right, unless you work really hard because now that that's a really competitive area. I sell D&D materials. I'm not going to be number one. All right, there's way too many sharks in that water. The only way people are going to find me is social media. For the big guys, it's branding. It's mm-hmm. going to boost their website SEO that they've been so worried about for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's also going to give opportunity for interaction, being top of mind, um, and closing deals. Because, like, you work if you work with any local, like a friendly local game store, mm-hmm. I'm gonna look at the pictures because there's yeah. a fifty fifty percent chance that it smells like cat urine, <laughs> and, the, and the other fifty percent chance is that it's a delightful spot that I can take my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna figure that out from the website. Right. I'm going to figure that out from the social media, from the pictures that people post there. Like, there are too many cats in this picture. It's so funny that you say that because we definitely have some game stores in South Jersey where I can immediately categorize them into one or the other. <laughs> like, precisely. Like, I have at least four or five names already in one column and the other. You want to know a, an interesting thing that from my personal experience is a, a good way to tell whether or not it's a good game store, this is it's the same as gas stations. Can I see through the windows? <laughs> if they're absolutely cluttered, the mm-hmm. windows with shelves and posters, mm-hmm. the chances are it's going to be a dingier spot. And I don't know why that's the truth. But if I want to do a thorough windows, study on this. <laughs> what's that? I want to do like a thorough study on that. Like, <laughs> it might be totally anecdotal, but I want to find some data to back that. That is up. my personal experience. Like, you know how you just like pick things up? First thing, can I see through your windows? If I can't, <laughs> I'm already on guard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going with some caution. No, so it's a really interesting thing. Did, um, were there any other questions you had or like insights you wanted to share on that side? Uh, not, not not about the, the the hashtag and the keyword like war that's mm. being implied is really at the top of my mind. And that's really like the, yeah. the central part. Um, the other thing that I wanted to kind of like dig around in was regarding market research as a service to provide to customers. Um, I told you earlier, my my general like onboarding experience with a new client, like if we're, if we're doing things for the first time, is I will take all their info, I'll do a thorough audit. And then I use that information to do like a SWOT analysis and a competitor analysis. Um, I do like low level market research to kind of guess in my area where I'm, I'm concentrating. Like I'm based in the Philadelphia area. So I have a very specific spread that I can get that kind of like specific information on. Um, and then I provide all of that information to the customer to justify why I think whatever strategy I'm proposing is the best. Um, and that's just from like a very small single party freelancing expedition. So if I wanted to kind of like grow that, if I wanted to kind of like 
I don't know if, if uh, like making myself more, uh, what's the word? There's a word, uh, not maybe authority. Maybe it, it makes me feel like I have more authority in this area. How would I expand that? And, and how can that be applied to anybody else that's trying to, to market and thoroughly understand who they're up against and how they can kind of maneuver that space? I guess really the short answer or the short version of my question really is um, how do I make my market research more tangible to a client? Yeah. So this is a really interesting one. And I personally have loved competitor research. Clients love it. Um, especially if you have like a particular, like let's call it a game store. All right. Mm. If you have a game store, you're competing against um, a Kind of, I, I like to tier it out, okay? Mm -hmm. So like first tier, I'm a local game store. I'm competing against other local game stores, mm -hmm. all right? And I might be competing against uh, other smaller shops that sell board games. So there might be a, a game, like a toy store, but they sell some of the most popular board games. You know, mm -hmm. GameStop might have started selling the Funko Pops that I carry. You know, mm -hmm. that's tier one. Tier two is like Walmart and Target. Okay. okay. Now, and, and then, you know, of course, if you're selling online, then it's a whole big thing. Yeah. Okay. And then it's just, if you're selling online and you're all in commerce, then it's about who's showing up on you, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's, that's where you go. So I tier things out where clients can sometimes, and this is part of like the really hard thing about dealing with clients is setting expectations and parameters and mm -hmm. getting across to them what's important. And sometimes they don't care about what you have to say, though they paid to hear from you. Yeah. Sometimes they have decided that something's important and you just got to deal with it. You just got to give them what they want and say, okay, if you want to compete with Walmart, what you're going to need is 487 locations. <laughs> okay. Yep. Check you, one. You know, it's like, you know, so, it, and, and here's the actual thing. Mm -hmm. What I turn, tend to do is try and refocus them and say, okay, rather than looking at, like for me, I'm trying to create, I'm trying to do TikTok stuff. I am not in competition with that person. No, certainly not. Okay? <laughs> I am not in his league. That is way too top tier. Mm -hmm. If I start trying to do what Matt Mercer does, it's not going to work for me. I need to look for the person. I'm at like 14,000 followers right now. I need to look at the person who's at 20,000 followers. Mm -hmm. okay and i need to do what they're doing and so that's where i try and first rein them in and say don't um chase those who are way at the top chase those who are just ahead of you that you are not in a marathon racing against the person who's at number one when you're at number 100 you need to catch up to number 90 you just need to pass 10 people all right when you're there then you can keep going you know, so that's my first thing is to just kind of rein them in and say, who these might be all your competitors are competing with Target and Walmart. That's mm -hmm. that's not a no. But are you going to get the mom who's there to buy groceries and then sees the game on the shelf and says, oh, that looks fun and grabs it? No, you're not a grocery store. You don't have the initial cash. Mm -hmm. You can compete. All right. With every other game store. Okay. And you can try to say, hey, you can go to GameStop, 
and you can look at their 20 Funko Pops, but we got 180, you know, mm -hmm. come over here. You'll have more fun. You'll have more choice. Like you, that you can compete with. Right, right. So first is to set expectations. The second is, um, it's to me, it's mostly came down to presentation. So what I can give you comfort on, because you off camera talked about how like, and, and this is my marketing brain thinks this too. You think of market research, you're like talking to people. You are getting primary research. You know, you are going out there and you you basically become a miniature research firm. The good news is I could say at least in my corporate job, we're not doing that. Okay. And we're not paying for that. And clients don't want to pay the amount of money that would take. Yes. Okay. What they're okay with receiving, in my experience, okay. And so my clients aren't your clients. All right. And my experience is only one of many. In my experience, it is okay to have secondary and real-time research, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and then to present to them with the most important thing is here's what they're doing and here's how we're going to combat it. Clear action items. All right. And it also helps if you give them something to do, which will almost definitely happen. Mm -hmm. All right. But so now I, the next thing I'm going to talk about is exactly like some of the tools that I've used to get really good information that because we talked about like, well, anybody can Google who's at the top of Google. Yes. You know, but mm -hmm. how, how do you take it the next step? All right. Mm -hmm. I can go into that before I do, because I've already talked a lot. I wanted mm -hmm. to know if there was anything you wanted to talk about all the other stuff I said, you know, <laughs> so that I can refine my points. Uh, right. So um, not really. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a really good like summation of uh, the primary points that I wanted to to kind of bounce off and see what your, your professional insight was. Awesome. So here's a few particular tools. All right. So one, it helps um, to, you got to educate clients a little bit and it helps to differentiate things between on your website and on your website. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so I guess first question, how important is SEO to them? Is that how on their radar is that? Um, so for a few of them, SEO is just kind of like, I think I have two, two groups of clients. I have mm -hmm. clients that are very in the know and they know that a lot of things need to happen with SEO, like frequency on content posting, et cetera. Like they're, they're pretty aware of, of how it works and what needs to be done. And then I have another group of people that are like, well, I mean, that's great, but like, it's really, it, you do that for me because I, I have other things that I'm really focused on. And like, those are the clients that I really do the best with because that's why I'm here. I'm here to do the things that they feel are just too boring to be invested in. Um, but I know for everybody, SEO is really important, especially because a lot of them are, uh, they're closely held businesses. They don't have a lot of market space. They don't have a lot of social real estate um, or market real estate really. So making sure that that foundational like SEO, especially for any websites or their social media is so important, mm -hmm. um, but only half of them really understand why it's so important. Yeah. And so some of it can come down to like, this is competitor analysis is a really good way. So first of all, there's two kinds of market research in my, in my personal expertise that are generally done, which is one initial market research where I get asked, hey, we're thinking of opening another store in this location or this location or this location. What should we do? 
you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'm grabbing like demographic information, incomes, population sizes, keyword mm -hmm. search volumes in certain areas. That's its own version of research um, that comes up more rarely. Competitor research is an excellent opportunity to say, here is what they're doing. Okay. And you mm -hmm. could expand of like, for example, a lot of people did blogs and it didn't like quote work. So they dropped them. They might even still have them on their website. They got like 20 blog posts, but they dropped them. And you mm -hmm. can say, well, hey, here's the thing. This client has a blog. That blog is on their Pinterest. Okay. And that Pinterest is getting all kinds of activity. People treat Pinterest like a search engine. All right. And so it's, it's a nice little fuel thing that's helping their website. If nothing else, it makes their time on page go up. Google mm -hmm. loves to see that people are getting value off of your website. So to make more people come to your website, to make Google rank your website higher, you need to add more value. And mm -hmm. that's where blogs come in. You know, or you might be able to do research on like your Google Analytics, which you can get. That's its own thing. That's a website performance thing. Mm -hmm. Like, here's how your website's performing. All right. This page people are coming to and then they leave in 13 seconds. That means one of two things. Either one, you answered their question really well. Mm -hmm. OK, or two, you didn't answer their question at all. Oh, they no, immediately knew they were in the wrong spot. You know, oh, and then and then they bounced. Okay. Right. Generally speaking, you know from looking at that page on the website. You know, you can generally say you can generally look at a web page and think, is this solving the answering the questions that are guiding it here? Okay. Mm -hmm. If I if I have a page on resin dice, okay, is this page on resin dice answering questions? Or is it just a lot of fluff? Is it distracting? Is it disjointed? Does it make sense? And generally speaking, you can find out a lot just from that. Okay, that's kind of more internal research. If you can look at a competitor and give them a side-by-side -side comparison of like, look at this person. They organize their resin dice page as what's the difference between resin dice and, and this dice? Mm -hmm. You know, what is resin? And then they talk about why resin makes for good gameplay. They talk about smooth and they have a little picture of someone holding it in their hand. Okay. Because psychology, I can feel that feel of dice in my hand. Mm -hmm. All right. You, I, if you roll dice, you know what that feels like. And now you're starting to imagine owning the dice. And they end with a gallery of all their pretty dice. If you click on it, it goes to that page, you know, and now it's mm -hmm. a funnel. And by doing a side-by-side -side comparison, a lot of value. You, you'll close the deal immediately. You know, as yeah. for another, like, here are some specific things that I've used, specific tools for kind of breaking down vulnerabilities. When I do competitor analysis, I'm not just looking at competitors. I'm comparing it straight to my client. Okay. okay? Oftentimes finding out, like, so one is SEO mini. All right. Almost everything I use are Chrome plugins. Okay. Okay. So SEO Minion will tell you what the title and the meta description are, which are very important for SEO. Titles mm -hmm. where you want to put some of your keywords, but careful not to stuff them. Meta right. description is that little bit of text underneath the title. 
all right? It does not count for ranking, but Google will bold if you have a keyword in there, mm -hmm. okay? And it helps close the deal, all right? So it'll tell you if those make sense. It'll also give you page structure. So something that Google wants a page to look like is it wants it to look kind of like a, uh, a, a college paper, okay? okay? Where you have the header, that's your H1. That needs to be the most important thing. That needs to have the keyword you wanna rank for. That needs to have res dice, okay? What are right there. And then it needs to go H2, and under H2, you can have H3, H3, and then it needs to go H2, okay? H3, H3, H4, H2. And it needs to run like a syllabus, mm -hmm. okay? It needs to have a point and then sub points and then and then back to the point. Unfortunately, a lot of people are building their own websites and they're not thinking about that. So they have H1, H4, H2, H3, H14, okay? All over the place, all right? Google um, hates that. It's confusing. You're not telling it what's important, mm -hmm. okay? So it'll reveal that to you. It'll also scan if there are any broken links. Google also hates that, mm. all right? It's a lack of authority. It's a lack of care. And, and most importantly, it's bad user experience. Yes. Okay, because if I click on a link and it goes to a 404, I might just exit out. Yeah, I don't want to engage with it anymore. That's exactly. One That's annoying. I got to click the back button and go on a hunt on your website when I know I can just go back. What I'm going to do is go back to Google. I'm going to click, click. And I'm going to go to the person who is next on the Google link. Yep. You know, if I found you through social media, I might look around two more tabs. Mm -hmm. Then I'm gone. So you need yeah. to solve. That's an excellent way to solve those problems. Okay. So it'll tell you if things are broken. It'll tell you where all your links are. It'll tell you some of the optimization things of title, meta description, and uh, page structure. All right. And you can look at that for all the clients and figure out, well, like, hey, their page structure is immaculate. We're going to steal it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, that's that's first thing. Another good plugin, all right, and this is especially important for those who are local, all right, so let's go back to the game store, is uh, there is a lot that can be talked about about Google business profile optimization, mm -hmm. all right? So one of those is categories. There's a plugin called GMB Spy. That stands for Google My Business, all right? So G is in Google, M is in My, B is in Business, SPY. And what that'll let you see is information on the back end of a Google Business Profile. So you can see particularly the categories, all right? Because Google has a lot of categories that it can put stuff under, all right? So like I work sometimes with health professionals, there are like seven categories for any given health professional, whether you're a dentist or a chiropractor or whatever, mm -hmm. all right? And it'll help you narrow down like, okay, but what are they using that I don't know exists because there's a ton, all right? And you'll find out that like, oh, well, this GameStop has hobby store, okay, on mm -hmm. theirs. We just have game store, you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was a hobby store category by adding on, but so it gives you a direct map of here's what your competitors are doing compared to what you're doing. If there's a gap, boom, fill it actionable, mm -hmm. you know, um, there are other ones. Uh, one I use more infrequently is let me pull it up. The icon looks like a pokeball. 
It is, yeah, it is called Instant Data Scraper. All right, that, that'll pull a bunch of information off of, off of a web page you're on. All right, so like I'm trying right now because I haven't used this one. I, I, I'm now at a place where I can task out competitor research. So I'm that's, like a little, <laughs> <laughs> but for example, like it's showing me um, some of the backlinks. Um, it, it gives me a full breakdown of, of the back end of a web page. And that could be super interesting for figuring out what's exactly going on the website. Like I told you, there's another one that if you were willing to pay for it, you can look into Screaming Frog. Uh, I think they have an annual subscription. And that one's just freaking amazing for figuring out where a website might be getting its juice from. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but in general, you can also Google AdWords. You can run a URL through there. Like you can also use Ahrefs, all right? But in general, you can, most people go to the Google AdWords keyword planner mm -hmm. and they put in the keywords and they're looking for volume and stuff and they forget that you can put a URL in. And I have oftentimes found out an interesting thing that I could have two clients or I could have a client and a competitor who do the same thing. So you're both uh, a game store. But for some reason, if I put the competitor's website in, it pulls up like 50 keywords that are all related to games. Mm -hmm. But on the client website, it only pulls up 12 keywords, half are related to games, and half have nothing to do with anything. All right. And what that is, is it, it's an indicator. It tells you exactly, here's how Google sees you. Google okay. can tell from this website that it's related to these 50 keywords and not this website. And that's an excellent opportunity to look and see if a competitor is even worth looking at. You know, okay. I'll also say this because this gets people mad. All right. <laughs> so um, John Mueller is a Google spokesperson, works for mm -hmm. Google. He's like the main guy that communicates with SEOs. I'm like, okay, hey, stop using porn links. All right. <laughs> not going to work anymore. Stop it. Okay, he communicates with us a little bit to help us like just not do bad things and not worry about bad things and help people get found on Google that should be found on Google. That's mm -hmm. that's our guy. So he's John Mueller. And he was approached by an SEO professional um, who, by the way, the recipe for SEO show is an Australian person. Uh, she's awesome. All right. She just makes it really fun and easy to learn if you need a podcast. She asks him, like, hey, I just pulled up this person on Google. My client has five stars, 64 reviews. Okay, they've been in business for eight years, and their profile looks great. This person who is outranking them, who is number one in that little pack, local pack. Okay, if you Google game store near me, you get a little pack and it has three Google business profiles with their reviews and the name, yada, yada, and their distance from you. And... We're number two. The guy above us has 1.5 stars from three reviews. Okay. Has been in business three weeks. All right. Why is he outranking us? Because clients worry about this because that number one in the pack gets way more clicks. They get like 60% of the clicks. Okay. If you're, if you're number one. And John Mueller, Google guy who understands and knows the back end of the algorithm says, oh, yeah, 
algorithm just tests things sometimes. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Yep. Sometimes. Sometimes the answer to a question that is absolutely frustrating to clients of like, how is this garbage outranking us? Is that mm -hmm. Google is going through a test phase, all right, and is putting it up top to see how people react. Right. All right. Now it's going to, in six weeks from now, realize that it's garbage. <laughs> and it's okay. going to bury it. Okay. But until it realizes that anything you do that's reactionary could mix things up in a bad way for you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just like make 40,000 mega changes on your website to try and reclaim this, which is oftentimes uh, clients, this is their baby. This is the, their business is their thing. It's their mode of mm -hmm. life. And it's really important to them. And so they want to make drastic changes. And you have to be the voice of reason to say, listen, one, it's not going to work. Two, it might be to our detriment. Doing a lot doesn't mean you're doing any good. Right. You know? That's mm -hmm. a really hard thing to sell. And that's why I gave you the whole story of like John Mueller, the guy at Google, has said, give it a few weeks. Yep. The algorithm tries things. And if it works, it goes through with it. And if it doesn't work, it rolls it back. Okay. It's a good thing that's about the algorithm because it also means that brand new people have a shot. Because if that garbage website was actually good, Mm -hmm. That means that anybody can launch a website, and if you're launching it with SEO in mind to begin with, and if you can get some good reviews out the gate to begin with, mm -hmm. you have a real shot at upending hard competition. Yeah. that's It's really important to understand that Google needs to do, it needs to run through that function in order to gather enough data to verify and validate the people that they're putting at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that actually helps take some of the heat off of us because once once we're looking at a major authority who's doing stuff that's like really messing with our plans, that alleviates our responsibility for that because we can just say Google is doing its thing. So yep. that's actually like a great, thank you for divulging that. <laughs> yes. The other thing is um, Google Search Console and Google, because yeah, I mentioned Google Analytics. Google Analytics has apparently changed a lot. Okay, I think they went to like what is it G four or something oh, really? like that, oh, um, or they they were going to uh, Google Search Console. So long as it remains stable, is an excellent resource. All right. So for example, we had uh, we I've worked with clients who do eyeglasses, right? And glasses, just that word would normally bring up that local pack, and mm -hmm. you could get you could get people coming in from that, getting calls and getting website traffic and all the stuff that we get measured on. Uh, Google, and so what happened was they completely were like losing traffic like crazy, our clients, oh. okay? And they were like, what's going on? Part of the competitor analysis is just Googling things because what we found out is that Google changed the SERP is what we call it in the industry, search engine results page, mm -hmm. okay? Had completely changed it. First of all, that local pack got buried to the middle or bottom of the page. Okay. Awesome. Secondly, it's no longer just eyeglasses. It thinks you mean cups. It thinks you mean gla custom glassware. Oh, no. Okay. 
and it made it more e-commerce focused. All right. So you're going to lose traffic. Now, here's the sad news. You might, that might be the right thing. If you had custom glasses as your main keyword and you didn't specify eyeglasses, then you could have had people who were looking for cups go to your website and, and, and immediately bounce off. And Google gives you a red flag for that. All right. Google's trying this because it thinks it's what users want. And so right. it's giving you more of a mixed result. It might be wrong. We don't get to decide that. Yeah. You know, what we're going to do is change your title to eyeglasses. We're going to change your H1 to eyeglasses in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, or, or whatever. We're going to change your Google business profile to eyeglasses in Cleveland, Ohio, eyeglass store, you know, something like that. Like it's important to just remember, it's really, really easy that when you get all these tools and you get all this knowledge, I've done this before, right? Just go super high level. And I'm like, oh, it's because of this Korean backlink website that legitimately <laughs> happened. Okay. No, wasn't. Zach's overreacting. <laughs> Zach should have Googled it first. Okay. And sometimes... Uh, another really good one. Okay. Um, I got to pull it up so that I make sure I give you the right one. Uh, this is great for, because you know, if you Google things and your clients are in different states. Yes. Um, it's really hard to see what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. Right. Local, local search results checker. You get 10 free every day on a Wi-Fi network. So you can use a VPN to get 20. Okay. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know real life hacks. All right. And what you can do then is you can see you're not in Cleveland, but if you put Cleveland, Ohio, and you put in the keyword, you can see it from a person in Cleveland, Ohio. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. And so that makes competitor research so much. I should have started with that one. So <laughs> much easier. Okay. Because it will show you not because it, it knows where you live and it's going to say, oh, maybe she's going and looking for touring uh, a Cleveland game store. Well, this one's great for tourism. Mm -hmm. It's going to change your search results a little bit because it thinks you have different intent than the consumer who is right there. Yeah. You know, and if you if you search game store near me, all right, you're going to get game stores near you. So you have to search game stores Cleveland, Ohio. And otherwise, you're never going to see what game store near me pulls up unless you're in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. This is how. I see. That's so rad. Oh, I love uh, that. It's uh, it's it's one of the best tools for competitor analysis when you got clients all over the place. Because I've done that. I've pulled it up. I've screenshotted it or shared my screen and said, this is where you are. Dude. Okay. That's okay. a power move. <laughs> So it is, <laughs> it is. Um, so that, that, that's pretty much all I got. I probably have more. I do also take screenshots of social media stuff. And that's given me a lot of, one, it's given me ideas. The whole like take 10 images and make it into a gift thing. Stole that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just yoink that just, right Just out. like, oh, brilliant. It's mine. Okay. There's a lot to be said about um, doing different people have different names for it. I've just called it breadcrumbs 
So like you have one big piece of content mm. and you break it off and you distribute it in different formats to all of your social media. And that's yes. actually, that's have exactly you, what you're doing. Have you listened <laughs> to Gary Vee? Yes. yes. He, oh, of course. So it's, He's right, it's the right there next to model. I literally, if I, I'm about to send out a survey for my next um, presentation, um, which is either probably going to be micro Kickstarters or content distribution. Okay. The first thing I'm going to talk about is that I love, this is the analogy that works for, I'm in Ohio. This is where it works for Clevelanders is I call mm -hmm. it the content chop shop. Oh, okay? I, like I know. Steal it. It's fine. All right. It's just like, <laughs> If you just stole a Cadillac, all right, you could just sell the Cadillac or you could make four times as much money tearing it apart and selling all the pieces. And that's how the content distribution works is that you can read the blog on a video now, or if you have a blog, read it. It's a video. Don't want to do video? Great. Take the audio. Boom. It's a podcast. podcast. Exactly. Yep. And podcasts are great for SEO even if they never get traffic. Podcasts are actually really hard to get traffic to. All right. Is that right? Holy yes. Cow. There is almost no... So here's, here's the thing. If Google loves podcasts for backlinks, sees them as very valuable, um, it's very similar to like Pinterest, and then it sees it as very evergreen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I did a podcast for 14 days. I read poems. All right. I did a poem a day for like 14 days. Okay. And then I stopped. And for the next four or five years, I did all this other stuff. I got YouTube views. I got TikTok views. And if you Googled my name, the podcast would still outrank me. Wowzers. That's crazy. So four years later. All right. My name's all over this other stuff that has more social media engagement. But Google liked the podcast. Okay. So one, we know that it's an excellent way to fill up a page with you. It's an excellent way to, in those podcast descriptions, link out. If you're using something like Anchor, it'll oh, automatically, if you're using something like Anchor, it'll automatically uh, post you to like seven different podcasts. All right. Like Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. It'll automatically do that. So now you have seven guaranteed backlinks. All right. That you know Google finds valuable for very cheap. However, um, Getting views organically, meaning people going onto their Apple uh, music and typing in a podcast and you mm -hmm. coming up almost never happens. No, certainly not. Organic traffic for podcasts is garbage. Organic traffic for YouTube, decent. Okay. There's a chance that if I post this and I say why podcasts are important for backlinks and I post it as a video on YouTube, I'll get at least 100 views. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I just don't suck at what I do. All right, podcast, I will not get a single one because people aren't using podcasts like search engines yet. They want to show they were look. They already know what they're looking for when they go there. I know I'm looking for Gary Vee. All mm -hmm. right, I've already interacted with you somewhere else. Gary Vee does this amazingly where he leads people to his podcast by showing him talking on the podcast. He's got a mic, he's got his headphones and he's got a podcast symbol on the video. And you see the video and you're like, I want to hear the rest of that snippet. Mm -hmm. Then you go to his podcast because he's priming. It's the breadcrumbs that you talk about, right. you know? Um, and so that's the, ol the only way to grow podcasts are having guests that have podcasts, being guests on other podcasts, just mm -hmm. networking your way into it. 
or having a crazy content distribution plan like Gary V and mm-hmm. then you can make it, but you're never, ever, ever, ever going to get people just stumbling upon you. No. Doesn't happen. That's still just so wild to me that something that doesn't have good organic traffic is yeah. so, it's so taken care of by Google. <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Well, I think it's probably because it serves user intent. I mean, you want to talk about time on page, 30 minute podcast is longer than you'll ever spend on a website. Yeah. You know, podcasting is just an extension of YouTube and Google bought YouTube as soon as it saw its value. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just audio YouTube. It's where you can learn things and and have a lot of knowledge put up and they are investing in audio SEO a lot of those podcasts take this transcript, which then you have all the keywords that you spoke yeah. put naturally into the podcast page. You put some in links in that, it's basically its own blog page. That's so this that's, is all like if I do the content distribution talk, all of this gets talked about and expanded on. But like it's the the hardest part is actually maintaining distribution. For example, I do TikToks. The thing I should be doing is every time I post a TikTok, it should go out on Facebook stories, YouTube reels, Twitter, YouTube uh, for shorts. I, I don't know if I said Instagram reels. It should go on Pinterest too. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even putting it right on YouTube. I have a backlog of over a year's content that I'm putting onto YouTube because mm-hmm. I start them on my old stuff. My YouTube audience isn't going to be my TikTok audience. Right. Okay. So I post like, on TikTok every two days or so. I'm posting on YouTube. I'm trying to every day. But if I give myself all this other stuff, I have to hire you. Because <laughs> <I'm not, laughs> yes. I don't have that ability. Correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the time. I got two kids and a full-time job. All right. Well you know where to find me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's the that's the hardest part because this is where like um I actually grew my TikTok by reading year old tweets. I tweeted every day on the toilet. All right. When I was in, this is the time where I had two jobs, two jobs, a kid, another kid on the way, and I was a full time college student. All right. Did not have time at all. So I tweeted during my toilet breaks. All right. A year later, I just read my tweets of like D&D idea. And then eventually I figured it out. You know, um, but all I'd say, like, you got to be really careful with clients. You can give them like, here's everything you can do. All mm-hmm. right. Make me content, you know, um, but you got to really narrow it down to like, okay, for me, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook are weird right now. TikTok's yes. going to disappear, maybe, you know. Um, mm-hmm. YouTube's probably not going anywhere and has long-term SEO benefits because it's basically baby gold, right? Yeah. So I'm putting everything on YouTube Reels and I will put everything on Reels when I'm caught up, you know? in uh, Reels is a real missed opportunity for me. That's not meant to be a pun. Uh-huh. Um, real missed, right? Um, is a missed opportunity for me, but it's a calculated missed opportunity for me. And that's mm-hmm. something that to also communicate with clients is like, now listen, we're only getting at the tip of the iceberg, but that's because that's all we have room for here. Right. Okay. 
if we try to go for the rest of the iceberg, we don't have capacity, it'll all fall apart. Because if you try, I've tried it, anyone who tries to do all of it will eventually give up. Yes. And then they shot themselves in the foot. But if you're willing to tweet every day on a toilet for a year, you could build on that later. This is an amazing strategy. Like, not even going to lie. Fantastic. It's it's the only reason I've been able to do what I've been able to do. And it, I'm a very long game. Very, how do I get the most out of the least? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... it's Minimum viable product. MVP, minimally viable product. Like, whatever thing. Go out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, minimum viable product. You know what? That's a great coin. Minimal viable content. Hmm. Never heard anyone say that. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Um, the well, other one that I have heard. Zero, right here. <laughs> right, uh, get, sell it to HubSpot. Uh, the one that I have heard is minimum viable audience, mm. which is the one that people really overlook. And that is the only way that small guys like me make money on the onset you know when i talk about micro kickstarters that's minimum viable products sold to minimum viable audience right you know anyways yes um i think we got time for like one more thing okay so uh, how about we we remain topical to our audience um obviously OGL forbidden yeah. through another word uh everybody's losing their shit I am I am astonished at how quickly it, even within our our TTRPG sphere how quickly people are like we have to get away from Wizards of the Coast we have to get away yep. from D&D we have to and this is the entire reason I got into social media for this community mm-hmm. is because I recognized that Wizards of the Coast has way too much of the social real estate and it suffocates small creators. They have no choice but to branch off of an existing property to exhibit creativity and like make avenues of their own. And now they're giving us the biggest finger they can give us. And all of these creators are left floating in the water. They have no way to survive and they've built their livelihood on it. And so my whole goal was I want to be the person that gives them the shovel to dig out that space so they can compete with people like Wizards of the Coast. And now we're at a real, like, we're at a real moment. Like, are we going to try to fight for this or are we really going to make a big statement and start engaging way more with Pathfinder or dedicating a lot more time to making our own gaming systems? And I just... I'm both alight with enthusiasm and hope for our community because it just shows that we're not 100% reliant on this one big Goliath of a guy, but it's also like, I'm terrified. Like, how are we going to make this? How are we going to make it work? And and what role is social media going to play in that? Like, ooh, I'm just, I'm waiting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, um, I'm 100% with you. I think it's been amazing to see people have been very communicative. Uh, stay off the Facebook groups because I'm not even in them. I, I yeah. can't even abide. <laughs> I will say, I will say another part of that, like a uh, strategy you can absolutely steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works. Oh my God, does it work? Screenshot your tweets and post them on Facebook. I started doing the that on, on Twitter to Hive. And I find, well, Hive is still growing in a weird thing, yeah. but yeah. The engagement's insane. If I post a funny like D&D joke, on Facebook, just as a straight post, ten two people like it. Take that as a Twitter screenshot. Boom, huge. Okay, like that's just 
free free steal. Um, Thank you. I, th I think that the the main thing like that I'm preaching right now is prepare for pivot basically. Mm -hmm. So like what we're doing on our side, like I have I've laid this map out for myself on the Discord so that people could copy and paste and then flex make it flexible to their own strategy. But mm. yes, figuring out ways to be system agnostic or otherwise distance yourself is absolutely the smart choice. However, there is really the basically is that well, what's legal and what's illegal? Mm -hmm. um, at least half of it is basically brought down to we don't know. Even lawyers, I posted an article of a lawyer basically saying like game mechanics specifically, okay, is strength, dex, wisdom, intelligence, and all that, plus mm -hmm. dice roll. Is that owned by D&D? &D? I hope not. The question is, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, we don't know. We don't know because there's no real precedent for it. There are like two cases on game mechanics that you can point to for precedent, and that was like roll a dice and move something three spaces. Is that a game mechanic? Can I own that? You know? And mostly no. Mostly no. Probably not. But we don't know. And so that's probably the biggest one where like it's it's all about your own personal risk assessment. Personally, uh, I'm going to just distance myself from them as punishment. Okay? To them. Mm -hmm. Um, and because I have to sure up things, I got a house, I got kids, I got to be safe. Most yeah. likely, they're just going to sue Pathfinder. Oh, and yeah. that lawsuit will be what decides everything. You know, if Pathfinder continues. That's, Do you think that that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility. Uh, I think it's more possible that they would not take it to court at all if possible. And would mm -hmm. instead just try and get Pathfinder to give them 20% of their funds. Oh my god. That's, that's like actual... They've been going for the money. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you know the critical role, if they continue doing D&D &D stuff, means that they struck a personal deal. We know for a fact that they already went to Kickstarter and struck a deal with them as their preferred crowdfunding platform. This is, this is in the documentation. So yep. after $750,000, every dollar they want 25% according to OGL 1.1. 1 .1. But mm -hmm. if you go through Kickstarter, they'll only want 20% as their preferred crowdfunding platform. That is something that Kickstarter negotiated. It adds a lot of validity because there's still uncertainty about how valid this drafted document is. Mm -hmm. But that proves that at least that portion of them wanting to take 25%, not of your profits, of your revenue, okay, after $750,000 uh, for crowdfunding is proven, fact, confirmed by Kickstarter. And so that's what I think they'll actually go after because legal stuff costs them money and mm -hmm. just gives Pathfinder an opportunity to spin the story super negatively, and they don't need that. Yeah. It is much more likely they'll just try to strike a deal and take a percentage of their profits. You know, as for little guys, they could try and do what the music industry did, which is sue anyone and everyone. You know, back when YouTube became a thing and Pirate Bay was a thing, and they were suing teenage girls for posting YouTube videos of music without a license, and it yeah. did not go well for them. No. They could, but hopefully they'll be able to tell that that's a bad idea. Um, or fake. 
this uh what's it called a takedown notice yeah um yeah. i think it's more it's so what this is like you can't actually know they're also they, they've done surprisingly stupid things okay with like magic the gathering I don't know if you've seen what's been going on with them, but they have been trying oh, are they to re releasing out. some stuff or oh they, no, this is the thing. They're releasing they're things me. at a faster rate mm -hmm. and they're raising the price and they're saying things like because you know Magic the Gathering's all about like who has these like four, you know, awesome cards. Okay. Yeah. It comes about owning those four awesome cards. They're usually planeswalkers, yada yada yada. And so one is that they're releasing the sets at a faster rate so that they can just get more money each quarter. I see. Okay. okay. And so that also means that as a player, you don't get enough time to enjoy the sets. Mm -hmm. Okay. And your old sets that you spent so much money on are worthless faster. Okay. I see. Not nearly as fun. Then they did this thing where they were like, oh, yeah, and we're reprinting all of the old Magic the Gathering cards. That's we're the one I got. A crazy amount of money. They pulled it down because no one was buying it. Oh. it but like it shows the uh, the deafness to the community and the absolute money grubbiness that's going mm -hmm. on with them. The fact that in this draft document they were thinking of only giving creators seven days. Yes. Seven, seven was, whole They were going to give you seven days to sign on. All right. There is also argument where like they claim in the document that this is retroactive that everything that you created before OGL 1.1 needs to be uploaded if you want to sell it. Okay? But there is also legal, like, they can say whatever they want. There is legal argument that says, no, you made a previous contract. Yeah. All right? And that work built under the previous contract, sold under the previous contract, that stays under the previous contract. You can't right. just say, change my mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's, again, one of those things where, like, the only way to tell is for it to play out in court. It is mm -hmm. unlikely that I, Zach Applewhite, a guy in Ohio, am going to get sued by Wizards of the, of the Coast to be made an example of. However, businesses have done stupider things in the past. And I yes. personally, even though I'm an LLC, I've done my, my, I've done my butt covering. Still, mm -hmm. I'm not even going to risk the headache, and I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of me selling their stuff. All right, I am prepared that if I give set, if I get seven days notice, great flash sale. I'm putting everything I have into a digital package. I'm running a three day Kickstarter, and they can my my group can take my money, and then I'm going agnostic. Yeah. Okay. If they give me thirty days, it's a book. All right, and that's <laughs> just that's like my main thing is like just have a pivot plan mm -hmm. you know have your launch codes ready to go mm -hmm. whatever your version of the year is but i am going to have to let you go okay no worries i yeah. know we're right on the money yeah uh awesome but talking with you thanks you so much for taking the time to to talk shop i really enjoyed it absolutely all right hey buddy i'm sorry my kids are barging Oh, all no right. worries. All so, right. Well, you have a nice this, Sunday. This will be uploaded to YouTube as unlisted so that it can be shared as a link if you want to share it with anyone you want. And it will also be shared in the group. And I hope to get to that later today. But immediate attention will be going to the chillers. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Bye.